Your Highness, the transmission we received. What is it they've sent? Hope. Did you hear that? Rebellions are built on hope. It's the Thank the Makers podcast with Ken Bishop and Anthony God. Now, time to thank the makers. <laughs> and welcome back, Anthony, and everybody else out there who's listening. Hello, Ken. I hope it has been an exciting two weeks of podcasting for you. Oh my goodness, this has been quite, quite fun. As you are uh, well aware, we, we started that, that little Facebook page and we've had over 100 people actually choose to, to like the Thank the Makers podcast Facebook page, so I'm pretty excited to say that out loud. Quarantines will make people do strange things, Ken. <laughs> and I guess they're... Uh stuck to some sort of a device whether it's a laptop a tablet a a a cell phone or whatever and hey might as well uh, keep track with us right as long as they're listening i feel sorry for them but thank you for joining us thank you for joining us and, and and using your quarantine in a very effective and fun way that helps promote star wars we appreciate it let's keep that positivity rolling that's for sure so, so t- I know that our second episode, we started talking about hope and how it shows up in the, the Star Wars universe, and I thought tonight would be a great time to, to, to stay with that topic, considering we're still in lockdown, we're still sheltering in place, and I think the more we talk about hope, the more possibility that hope spreads from us to everybody else that we can come into contact with, even if it is socially distant, of course. <laughs> by the airwaves in which we're speaking and and you're absolutely cool with doing that do i have a choice ken well we all have choices <laughs> no i'm cool with it yeah so i thought tonight what we could do is spend a little bit more time talking uh, uh talking about george and the other creators that help put the movies together and the the stories together and put things on screens for all of us and look at look at it in, in in a little bit deeper than we did last time, and it may sound silly, but to do as as much as we can with all of the stuff that's out there, because there's just so much Star Wars content, and in all of that content, there are so many wonderful examples of hope, not just hope on the screen, but the hope of the makers behind the screen that shows up in, 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 I think some pretty cool ways. This is pretty deep stuff, Ken. Well, I guess with, with all this extra time on my hands, I've had lots of time to, to have deep thoughts with Jack Handy. <laughs> That's understandable. Yeah. So if we, if we look back at, at George Lucas as a, as a, as a person, you know, he's had quite an adventurous life. I mean, he was born in, in, in 1944. So he's, he lived through a whole bunch of 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 wars and and struggles and when he finally decided to to get into filmmaking one of the things that he ultimately got to was this idea of making this kind of movie this space fantasy for kids and to teach them different lessons and so on i think hope is one of those really powerful lessons that that shows up over and over and over again. I'm not a huge. 
I don't understand a lot of the motivations that goes into filmmaking. So I, I watch a lot of films, but I'm not an expert at any of this stuff. I just I just watch it to have fun. But I do enjoy films probably more than the average person. I have a big collection myself, and I watch a lot of old films. Um, for example, last week I watched the original version of... Um, the movie uh, They Live, I watched um, War of the Worlds, and, I, and I'm watching this stuff to look at the the dialogue, and, well, listen to the dialogue, to look at the uh, cinematography and just enjoy the period piece because that's what it is, right? Their version of what aliens were going to be like and an invasion and, uh, you know, you, you have a lot of things that are very particular to that time when they made those films, including the accents of the actors. So I like watching that stuff. <clears throat> That being said, I don't know if anyone had really tried to do something as serious as what George Lucas tried to do when he created Star Wars. Um, while on some level you have you know, laser blasters and people in weird helmets, spaceships and, and talking robots, the story behind all of that, the mythology behind it is quite serious and, and very well done and totally unnecessary for a movie. Right, so if you're just gonna make a movie, you know, and I've written television shows, so I haven't written a movie, but we, you try to put something behind the words that you write or the script that uh, is being put out, but to the level of deepness that George Lucas took it, there was something in it that I think he was trying to get out, uh, not just in the film, but just himself. Maybe he was exploring themes in a way that people change religions trying to find meaning you know um, oh, absolutely and even going to the lengths that he had to go to to get his team to understand it and then ultimately to get folks to back him so that these movies could even see the light of day at all that was a huge undertaking and it, i think it required a uh, a bunch of convincing and a bunch of storytelling behind the storytelling even to the fact that from what I understand when when Lucas was, was was trying to get Star Wars made he just had a script or even parts of a script and required or, or worked with artists to help take those words and add picture to them that he could go to the, the different film heads or um, movie studios to, to get the backing. So he needed to explain his stories to an artist. An artist had to draw the stuff. And then he showed those pictures to somebody. And many, many, many folks said, nah, we're not interested in this, 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 this science-y story that you're, you're, you're trying to sell us. Well, because on its face, it sounds ridiculous, right? So Luke Starkiller is trying to destroy the the, the, the battle station in space. Uh, they've captured a princess. I mean, it just sounds goofy. And what's right? a Wookiee? What was a Wookiee originally called? It wasn't called a Wookiee, was it? It was called a... Um, it was called something else. Yeah, it was called something else. And... <laughs> But all of it sounds crazy. Like, why would I put money into this? It just sounds like one of those 
really bad movies that you see on Mystery Science Theater 3000 sometime. Uh, some guy has no idea that they're you know what you're doing and you're writing a script and yeah there's giant ants and there's a an ape with a helmet on its head like no and and in a certain sense it is very similar to to that right it is like a giant ape and robots that talk uh, a giant slug <laughs> with a mouth <laughs> it's just ridiculous but what makes it work I think those are just the the surface elements what makes it work are the stories of adventure and the, the being part of something bigger. And you have to wonder, after George's accident, right? So what was it, 19... Um, uh, 62, I think. 1962. He was three days from graduation. George gets into an accident. Apparently his friend hits the side of George's car, and George is seriously hurt. In fact, if you look at the picture of the car, it looks like he should be dead. He wanted to be a race car driver. Then he, uh, because of the accident, he was, he was too frightened. He just didn't want to get back into it because of his injuries. And in the meantime, he started filming race cars and filming uh, races. And in the process of that, he met a cinematographer. They became friends. The cinematographer invited him to come out to film school, learn a little bit about that stuff. And, hey, why don't you join film school? And that accident didn't just change George's life, it changed really generations to come after George created Star Wars. And I think part of, maybe part of what George was missing, and this is completely just in my own mind, was that he thought he was going to be something, he turned into something else, and when he did the something else, which was cinematography and movie directing, he probably missed being a race car driver, something he had dreamed about his whole life. And that lack of adventure is a good start to think about where Luke got his inspiration from. You know, you're stuck here. You can't be who you really want to be. So what are you going to do? Well, even with that said, I mean, if if you look at the, or yeah, if you look at George's college career, his dad wasn't, really supportive of him doing the whole film thing I mean, his dad ran a, a stationery store and wanted george to follow in his footsteps that does a- not sound of that's like that sounds like uh farming on tattooing <laughs> doesn't wanted, it i mean who wants to do that yeah he wanted george to be a businessman and george you know he had his own hopes he had his own aspirations and like you said they got dashed in a moment and George had to to take that turn and figure out what else to do, and oddly enough, stumbled onto this sort of work, this sort of taking images and using those images to to tell meaningful, powerful stories that have have lasted, you know, over forty years. And I think they will they will they will carry on, you know, when you and I are long gone. Because they're so universal. They are. And even though some of the later films may have gotten a little bit confused or some of the messaging may be muddled to some extent when the, you know, the prequels, you start putting in politics and the meaning of things and, and, and other different themes that weren't necessarily the themes of uh, the journey of a thousand steps. 
the core is there, and I think the core came back in the in the sequels is, uh, which I like more than most people, I suppose, except for the Last Jedi. We all know how I feel about that. <laughs> but most of these things are, are aspirational stories, and really, no one is really to my to my. It's my opinion that no one's ever really done something as big as Star Wars in in subsequently, right? So yeah, Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry created Star Trek. Star Trek is a very powerful intellectual property. My mother is a huge Star Trek fan. I we went to see the Star Trek movie where they invented the warp drive. I forget which movie that was. And uh the Klingons land on Earth for the first time. No, the Vulcans, not the Klingons. And uh, I remember being in the theater, my mother crying because it was something she, she said, I've dreamed my whole life about seeing this moment when the Vulcans landed and, and met the humans. And it, that's a powerful moment for my wife, for my wife, my mother to cry about. So it obviously means a lot to her. But Star Wars has had a bigger impact on society than Star Trek has. Um, well, it's arguable, but my point is that Star Trek has influenced a lot of technology. It has influenced a subset of people. But Star Wars is a bigger mass appeal than Star Trek. And why is that? That is because it's a call to action. Most people's lives are not exciting. Most people's lives are lacking in adventure. Most people would like to be the hero. Those are things that Star Trek provides. I mean, Star Wars provides that Star Trek does not provide. And do you agree? Yeah, and there's even a, a a little bit of of luck or fate wrapped in there a little bit because when Star Wars was being developed and ultimately came out, it was in the the the, the mid to late seventies. So he was working on this stuff in in seventy three, and that was near the end of the Vietnam War, and there was you know if you look globally in the in the late seventies, it wasn't. It wasn't unicorns and puppy dogs. It wasn't the the, the 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 brightest best best place. And he created this this film in an effort, I believe, in an effort to show that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not the oncoming train, but there's something to work towards, something to hope for, even though it was in this galaxy far, far away. And it, I think, it just literally and figuratively blew up into this, this worldwide cultural phenomenon that we have in front of us now. Well, imagine living through the 1970s, trying to understand what was going on in Vietnam from, from the very small amount of information you got from the government and the occasional reporters on the scene and the newspapers. You really had very mixed messages as to what was going on. And ultimately, it was about one very, very large country trying to control a smaller country, not because of what they were doing, but because of what they could have done in the, in the future. So how Vietnam could have led to other countries following in their footsteps. And it was just the, the first of many dominoes to fall. That was their fear. So I wouldn't call the North Vietnamese rebels by any means, but they follow a pattern of a small group of people completely outmatched uh, with a country who has superior technology in every conceivable way, but they 
the North Koreans stood their own. I mean, North Koreans. I'm sure the North Koreans did. The North Vietnamese stood their own. There's so many wars in Asia. They stood their own, and that was sort of the a reflection on Star Wars, right? So the rebels could go up against these big guys. And you, you went to the 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 original Star Wars in '77 in the theater, right? What was that like? I do not remember. Actually, I, I do remember bits and pieces. It was 1977. It was in Manhattan. And I remember... Um, I've seen pictures of the theater since, so it kind of clouds my memory. So the pictures take over what I actually experienced when I was there. So I did look up the theater uh, a couple of years ago to see what it looked like on the outside. I remember it just being one of those classic theaters that had a lot of ornate columns and and it just looked way fancier than a theater should be so maybe before it was a movie theater it was a playhouse um i don't remember the feelings that i had in that viewing but i remember the feelings that i had as a kid i lived in the bronx we're very poor and um the toys for me just like everybody else were were an escape right but there wasn't an internet we didn't have a lot of these distractions we had today. Video games just got started. So there were very simple dots and boxes that made bonks and beeps. Um, and when you think about the idea of action figures, it's kind of goofy, right? Like, so this little tiny replica of an actual person is in my hand, and I'm going to pretend that I'm having an adventure with that little plastic bit. But that's exactly what it is. It's it's a it's a it's a key to a bigger adventure, and the movies to me were an escape because I mean uh, you know our apartment sucked. It was horrible. I remember one day there was a, a we had a cat Misuki, and uh, he got into a fight with a rat in our kitchen, and I remember going into the kitchen like listening to all this noise, you know the cat and it's rat whatever rat noise it was making, and I walked in the kitchen. And my mother just pushed me aside. Get out of the way! And this was a big rat. And it was a big cat. So, I mean, that kind of life was not that pleasant. Um, but these toys are really all I care about anyway. So the rat would have attacked my toys. I would have attacked the rat. That's all I cared about. Because it was so much fun to be the hero. And I think everybody wants to be the hero. Everybody wants to be admired. Everybody wants to be the one that changes the fate and does good. And that... That is, you know, going back to the, the 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 theme of hope. Hope can mean anything to anybody at any time, but if you are going to to try to cut it down to its essence, hope is tomorrow is a better day than today. And I think Star Wars embodies hope more than anything has uh, affected in me in my life than any other property, any other story. Um, I like I love watching the movie Alien and Aliens, but there's really not a lot of hope there. It doesn't inspire me. I love watching the movies. I love Jaws. I love Close Encounters. I just saw it the other night with my kids, 13-year-olds um, that saw it for the first time. They loved it. Is there hope in Close Encounters? I guess you could interpret it that way. But is it as powerful, as great a film as that is, and I think it's one of the top ten films of my life, I wouldn't say it, it has a lot of hope in it. Would you? 
No, I think uh, Close Encounters is more, um, for me, it's more curiosity than hope. Wondering about what else is out there rather than expecting to get somewhere that I'm not, if that makes any sense. It's a little bit of mystery. Yeah. But with this stuff, I mean, even if you look behind the curtain, there was a lot of hope for the the people involved in making this movie. I mean, they had to create the technology to get George's idea onto the screen. Because they didn't have it at the time. They had to 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 cobble together these these little models, you know, do some some kit bashing here and there to build an X-wing or the the Death Star and blow it up on screen so that the viewers believed it was real. So I think there was a lot of even hope in the in the the people that made the film. They hoped that it was going to work. They hoped that the audience would enjoy it. I don't I don't think that there was a a, a hope to have you know pockets deep of of coin. I think they really hoped that this movie was going to be as magical as George says it was going to be. I think most of them thought it wasn't going to be. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Even Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford joke, joke about that on a regular basis. They didn't think it was going to be nearly as large as it, as it was. It's outlandish, right? Like so. So there's this expression "fake it till you make it." A lot of entrepreneurs tend to say they can do things that they can't do until they can do it, and to to a large extent. Becoming a, a movie director, uh, at least in the case of George Lucas, and also in the case of the original Jaws. So I'll go back to Steven Spielberg as well. Yeah, I can. I can, Yeah, I could do this. Yeah, it's Star Wars, a giant ball in space. Yeah, I could do this. Giant, you know, furry dog thing. Guy wearing a, a helmet with a, a laser sword. Yeah, well, well, easy. Gets the money. Then goes back to his, you know, to his office with his friends and go, how the hell are we going to make this thing happen? And even the ones, even if he believes he can do it, you know, the production guys had no idea how half this stuff was going to be done. It's just, okay, well, this scene requires uh, a laser sword. How are we going to do that? Uh, well, we could try this, you know, and that that's sort of like a, that's sort of like hopeful, right? So, George is hopeful that someone will figure out how the hell to make this stuff happen. And if you get a bunch of bright guys and smart guys, there's always a way to do these things. right? And I think one of the things that made it work out for him where other people had tried and come close and, and just ultimately failed was that he really found a bunch of guys that shared his personality trait that I'm going to say I can do it until I can figure out that I can't. I'm going to try to deliver something nobody's ever seen before. So George was trying to do that in story. These guys are doing it with effects. I mean, they created so many pioneering effects and, and genres. And, you know, John Knoll created Photoshop for the movies, you know, that kind of stuff. They just made things up to try to match George's vision. But all of them are visionary in their own right. And he picked the right team of people. Whereas other movies may have had good stories that, that could have rivaled Star Wars if the execution was there. Sometimes you find guys that are just willing to get it done 
just to get it over with, or just, this is serviceable, this is fine, this is fine. But the guys that George picked weren't those guys. The guys that George picked went on to become some of the most famous, legendary, you know, production designers, special effects, uh, you know, artists, musicians. You know, the acting is never going to win any awards. But the visuals, the music, the score, the cinematography, all that stuff worked together to really take average acting, let's be honest. Luke, Mark Hamill was not the best actor in Star Wars. He, hey, I was hoping to pick up some power converters. I mean, it's kind of whiny. Everyone complains about how whiny he is. He was whiny. Um, but the overall, you know, some of the parts are, are, are more... Uh, I hate expressions because I get them wrong all the time. The end result was larger than the sum of the individual parts. And the music really does so much to erase a lot of the otherwise boring moments or dull moments, you know? It makes anything... I've watched a copy of Star Wars A New Hope without the movie, without the music in it, or replaced with, like, standard music, which you would hear in other movies. It's a totally different film. So, did George know that? Going into the film, he wrote the script. He's like, oh, this is a pretty good script. I like this script. It's a good story. I like the characters. Did he think that anybody can pull this off? That it didn't require music? And only when John Williams brought in this amazing score did it the, and, and made it work, did it occur to George that maybe this isn't going to work until the music came in? I mean, what do you think? Well, I think it was it was a combination of two things. One, absolutely positively hope. He hoped that it would work, hoped that all these parts would come together. And then the other part, which I think could be an entire podcast later on, is rebellion. I mean, George Lucas was was a was a, 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 a filmmaker rebel. I mean, he fought hard to control the films. He financed many of them on his own later on and put a lot of himself out there for the, the for the workers and so that combination of of hopefulness that this team can pull it off that we can create these things and it'll all come together and the rebellion part because if you think about you mentioned the music he was using he, he chose to use um, orchestra music in these movies instead of using you know popular tunes or or, or music that was being being put in movies at the time so he was even rebelling against that kind of that part of filmmaking and it all came together so powerfully so beautifully that it was i think as much as he hoped it was going to work i think it exceeded expectations even of himself which made it harder for the next films right so once you yes. you do something that you didn't expect then to match it is harder. And I think Empire surpassed it. Because by Empire, he knew the limitations of his team. He knew, okay, well, I can improve it this way and I can do these things and we can make it prettier, which they obviously did because Empire is one of the most gorgeous films ever made. Uh, Jedi kind of started losing it a bit. Not as great as Empire. It's a good film, probably on par with New Hope, but is it? Is it... As beautiful as uh, Empire? No way. 
but it's still good. Still good. And I think that is something that when he went to make the prequels became an issue because not only did he have to tell the backstories to these characters, which some of them were already in his head, but what is the, you know, what is that line, the clone wars? What is all that stuff that we're talking about that now has to be fleshed out? But then he also had to exceed the visuals of the original films, which I actually think the prequels do to some extent. The universe is much more fleshed out, you know, pod racers, uh, Naboo, the spaceships, uh, some of the droids. I mean, everything is just more of, you know, Darth Maul, come on. Darth Maul, to me, is probably one of the best villains of all time. But that there comes a lot of pressure with that. And that pressure is trying to write a story that's as moving as your original series, knowing that the hero ultimately fails at the end. So you have this box that you have to write inside of. And uh, sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. I think in this case, the, the Anakin storyline ultimately is is a good one in in concept. I think some of the execution... I mean, obviously, the acting could have been better. Jake Lloyd, not the best actor. But for some reason, that, that doesn't mean... It doesn't resonate with people because I think that what's odd about Star Wars films is that they leave you with more um, than maybe you actually got from the film. You know, so they inspire you and, and add to your uh, psyche something that really wasn't there. That you just think about it. How many? So how, there are how many films are there? Eleven. So how many films are? Well, it depends on what you want to count. So there's the the nine movies for the Skywalker saga. Right. Okay, Solo. Solo. There's Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But you can't, or you shouldn't forget that there were actually two made-for-TV movies no. in the in the 80s. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Ewoks movies, the Ewok adventure movies. So let's just say, let's just count the 11 and leave those horrible things aside. No way. You, I, think, I think those are wonderful examples of, of hope in, 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 in many ways. Uh, filmmaking hope. But also just this continuation of of hope, and it's it's interesting because I, I think that the the Ewok adventure movies help get to as odd as it may sound, help get to Star Wars, the Clone Wars cartoon, and Rebels cartoon, and even Resistance, because even in that same time period, there was the Droids cartoon and the Ewoks cartoon. And we won't talk too much about the 1978 Christmas special. Look, if you guys haven't seen that special, there is a sequence in that special where this is basically Chewbacca's family. Chewbacca's grandfather goes into this VR chamber where, I mean, you could only describe it as SpaceX. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. And it just goes on. And just when you think it's it's over the line of what you're just prepared to sit there and watch, it keeps going. 
And it's so awkward and it's so baffling. None of it makes any sense in the story. If there is a story, um, it's a, it's not a car wreck. It's a, it's a star destroyer. It's a star destroyer wreck. It's a large disaster. It's something that can't be missed. Like, (laughs) it's something that shouldn't be discussed ever. We may have to do a whole episode on the on the Christmas special. But there's a, so so <laughs> eleven films, <clears throat> yep. And just on average, you know, two and a half hours per film, you have roughly twenty eight hours of a story. Those twenty eight hours have generated billions of dollars and and just direct box office sales. God knows how much money in video games. God knows how much money in T shirts and toys and and everything else. So my point with all this is there isn't a lot on the screen compared to how much of it is off the screen. You know, the books, the merchandise, the the conventions. We're talking about basically a little bit more than one day's worth of film creating multiple millions of hours of people's dedication to it right so the hope i think comes in the form of what those films inspire us to be inspire us to do inspire us to to join communities inspire us to 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 think about it endlessly like you know i saw a facebook post your wife put up the other day which is during your birthday you're watching rise of skywalker with your dog and i thought (laughs) and i thought that's funny because i was just watching rise of skywalker myself (laughs) But why do we watch it over and over and over again? Like, what do we get out of it? And I think, for me, it makes me feel good to watch it. So is that a is is that a version of hope? You know. Well, I definitely think there's the it's it's a it's a version of hope, and it's also um, familiar. So we, we've we've watched the movies enough to know how the story goes. Um, and we're able to look at as we're watching it for the 16th time or the 60th time or the 106th time, we're also looking at all of the other characters and how they fit into it. Because even in our, in our, if you take Star Wars out of it and just look at our lives, we, we come into contact with lots and lots of people who have lots and lots of stories. And so it's fun to experience experience their stories or talk with them about their stories and on film we get to do that you know so if we were to look at hope in in the original trilogy you know there was the hope of the the makers the you know the george lucas's and the colin cantwell's and the ralph mccory's and the actors and actresses and stuff they hoped that this would work and on screen there's also individual hope i mean han solo hoped he was going to make enough money to pay off jabba he hoped that he could, you know, be a successful smuggler. Princess Leia hoped that she could figure out a way to make the government work and protect protect the, the, the galaxy like it was meant to. So I think another reason we like Star Wars is we can connect with those incidences of hope that we see. Because here I am in, in 2020, hoping that our government protects us as much as they can from COVID. And I hope that the, good luck with that. The citizens in my neighborhood will, will stay six feet away from me 
when we're walking our dogs and and and, and so on. So so hope trans transfers from the makers through the actors to us sitting in the seats. It's a it's a powerful um, transaction that happens, and the more we watch it, I think it re refreshes that hope. If that makes any sense, has there, it refreshes it for me, I suppose. But it's for it's how it inspires people, which is another way of saying hope. It's how it inspires people to be something that they're not. You know, going back to you know the costumes and the conventions. And even when you wear a T-shirt, you're representing that I am part of this thing, you know, um, tattoos. And that's where I think the hope gets brought into the real world. So, yeah, there's hope, the filmmakers, and there's hope in the movie itself and the characters in the story. But is being a fan of Star Wars hope in in and of itself, right? Is it entertainment or is it inspiration? Um, and I tend to think it's a little bit of both. But the inspiration part of it, I think, is actually more powerful than the entertainment because while we can watch it for those 28 hours, we read into it and give stories to things that aren't even important in the film story. And I think Star Wars is one of the first movies where side characters and tertiary characters became relevant but not in the movie itself, outside of the movie, right? So why do we do that? We do that because we start to believe it's more real when we add more details to it, which is the, the basis of most, most storytelling, unfortunately also conspiracy storytelling. But it's the basis of the way that people tell stories. So the more details you add to something, the more real it becomes, whether or not it's real or not. And to some extent, you know, you see these fake news people, to some extent, some people have problems believing the moon landing or the Holocaust um, because in their mind, it's the same as Star Wars. These are just stories. I wasn't there. I don't know. But the Star Wars stories in particular provide a a series of uplifting, inspirational moments that had had always really propelled Star Wars fans to be very unique from other fans. You know, that you is could, for sure. Yeah, it is. I mean, you have all these different Marvel fans, nothing against Marvel fans, but they don't have the underlying story to guide them, right? So e- even though each of the characters have their own backgrounds and stories, and the movies obviously have villains, it's not in the same sense as powerful as a Star Wars movie. Even though the last film was pretty good, um, it's still not close to the kind of story that Star Wars provides. It doesn't provide you a, 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 a hero slash villain like Anakin Skywalker or Darth Vader. You know these very confused characters that were both good and bad at this. You know different periods of time reflecting who we are. Right? So we can do good things, we can do bad things, make a bad choice. Um, well, it's funny that you say that because I think even though the the characters that you just mentioned have this superpower in some case, you know, they have the, the ability to, to use the force or whatever, mm-hmm. I think the everyman can connect with that idea of I have the power to make a choice right now and that choice can impact po- people positively or that choice can impact people negatively. 
And so even though I'm watching these characters on screen, I can identify with it as a as a human. And especially if you go back to the idea that these were were originally created to teach lessons to children in, in, in story form, in visual story form, it's impacted people beyond um, beyond kids. So I, as an adult, use Star Wars in the classes that I teach to other professional adults. This idea of do or do not, there is no try. You know, make a choice. You can't try to make a choice. You can't, it's, you either do something or you don't. And either way, it's still a choice. And so you need to take ownership of that. So as a, a 45 year old adult, I find Star Wars jumping off the screen and, and showing up in my, my day-to-day activity because I'm so connected to the material, so connected to the characters, all thanks to George Lucas and the folks who helped bring it to life. I think one of the most powerful reflections of hope in the story is the hope that no matter how distant you are from a family member, there's still a chance to redeem your relationship. And that is really the most powerful through line of all the Star Wars films. You know, Luke and his father, the Darth Vader, Anakin to some extent with with Ben or Ben with Anakin, um, Padme with Anakin, a lot of people with Anakin, Ben Solo and Ray Skywalker, um, Ben Solo and his father, the relationships between father and son, more so than and than daughter and and mother, are very very powerful in the Star Wars stories. And I think part of it is because people just, you know, in real life, you don't really get along with your family. So there's that hope that even though things are bad today, tomorrow will be a better day. Think about it. And Empire Strikes Back, they're fighting with laser swords, the father and son. Right? These lightsabers are fighting. Maybe not to the death, but it's pretty bad. The dad still wants to be the father. You know, take my hand. In the next movie, Luke saves him. And Darth has a chance to kill him. He's I'm not going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the thing that no one ever did for me. I'm going to turn against the evil and, and stop this from happening to my son. And that it says a lot of things. It's the hope that you can be better than what you were. By, yeah, you made some bad choices, but you can fix them by making good choices. And it's the hope that even though somebody else made some bad choices, I can help redeem them. Some pretty strong stuff there. And, and I've been watching Star Trek as much as anybody else uh, since I was, you know, obviously my mom's a fan, so I've watched it since I was a baby. Nothing in Star Trek comes close to that sort of power. And they've managed to put that in every single movie. They've managed to to have hope show up in every single movie. And one of the other hopes that shows up in all of the movies is is hope of friendship. That as a unit, we collectively can be successful. We can win the day. All the way through until, you know, Rise of Skywalker, where they show up from across the galaxy to take down the final order. You know, we came together, not because of blood, 
not because of of law or regulation or being forced to, but we chose to band together to hopefully take out this 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 evil power that's in front of us. I love that scene, and I and I didn't love it as much during the actual movie theater experience as I did uh, subsequently. And I think a friend of mine, Dexter Weeks, said something like. Uh, that moment made me tear up. And I said, why? Why did it make you tear up? He said, because that was the moment the entire galaxy decided to end this. And I hadn't really thought of it that way. So I watched it again, and he was right. This is not just, hey, these are the ships that I found uh, and followed me, Lando. This is everybody saying, this is it. We're done with this. You know, partly because if we don't do this, we're all dead anyway. But... It's the galaxy itself fighting against the oppression of the Empire and the Emperor. And when I realized what was going on, it became a much more powerful scene. Because how much, how better an example of, uh, how better a depiction of hope can you get than Poe Dameron just completely giving up hope, even going so far as to give his death speech, my friends, they were just too, you know, too many of them. We just, we tried. Like, it's it. Like, Poe's giving the speech. Like, this is it, guys. Sorry, it's just I thought you'd hear these words before you died. Let You know, Ray's looking up at the sky going, ah, it's over. And then all of a sudden, these thousands of ships come out of nowhere. Lando's leading the pack. That's a perfect depiction of everything the Star Wars has ever met. Even at your darkest hour, you tr- you did the right thing. You still might not win, but because you tried, and because you did other things before this moment, maybe those other things you did will come back and help you now. You know, maybe that training that Ray did, trying to reach the Jedi, maybe it'll work this time. Maybe all the friendships that the rebellion had made, and all the connections, and all the times that. That, that, that Leia had spoken to this person and that politician and this star system, maybe all those things will come to fruition to save us from this predicament. That it, it looks like there's no way out of this one. That, to me, is hope. Yeah, and hope isn't, isn't a constant. And we as individuals can lose our grip or our grip of hope or we can be less hopeful than we were and somebody else can can mm-hmm. hook their arm under ours and say hey i'm here with you and we'll we together will will get through this or let me remind you of what else you've already done or what you can accomplish let's do this one more time you still got breath you still have life let's go the best character in all the star wars that does that is princess leia she seems to be the one when everybody's chips are down she's the steady one no we can do this you know, in the end of the Last Jedi, Ray looks at her with a shattered lightsaber, and is pretty forlorn. Like, what am I going to do with this thing? Leia's like, "That's all we need." You know, we have everything we need right we have here. Everything we need. <laughs> and 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 that's yeah. Did Leia really think so, or was it Leia thinking like Luke, like like George Lucas did? We'll figure it out. I'm not sure how we'll figure it out, but we'll figure it out. Just, we'll figure it out. 
And isn't that what Star Wars is all about? We'll figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And when when you listen to interviews with with Dave Filoni or some of the other folks that have worked, you know, hand in hand with George, that comes through again and again and again of how George would say, "Yes, it may seem impossible, and we'll figure it out. We will do this." I mean, I think it may have been one of the the celebrations where where Filoni was talking that one of the greatest lessons from George was to not let fear. Um, not let fear win not to give in to fear to hope that you'll figure it out hope you'll you'll do what you set out to do on the closing side of this podcast let's go through all the films let's not go through the Christmas special (laughs) but everything let's go through the films and figure out where these we'll just figure it out moments are right so um Let's start. Let's go through episode one. Let's go in his, the. You want to do it in that order? Or you want to do it in. I think we order? should do it in order of the story. So let's episode one. Okay. We'll figure it out. Okay. So you have this Anakin Skywalker. Qui Gon wants to bring him in. This kid is never going to get through the Jedi Council. Qui Gon, we'll figure it out. Well, how about they're on Naboo and they're they're being blockaded by the Trade Federation and they're leaving Naboo to, to figure out what what they're going to do about it. So there's hope right there. We hope we can get to Coruscant and, and get this squared away. Padme goes back to Naboo. Trade Federation launches a gazillion droids. You have not that many people. We'll figure it out. You could even say that that coming into contact with Jar Jar Binks was a, we'll figure it out. So Jar Jar leads them to the the underwater Gungan city, and they have no idea how they're going to get from there to the other side of the planet. And they decide to to honor his life debt and take the the bongo through the planet core. Eh, We'll figure it out. And then in the second film which is my least favorite of all the Star Wars films, by the way, Attack of the Clones. The You can get into we'll figure it out, like who made the clones, but that's a different kind of we'll figure it out because that's sort of like a mystery we'll figure it out. The real we'll figure it out is you, know, you have Padme and you have Anakin and, and Ben Kenobi and they're stuck on this planet with the insects shooting at them and... You know, Geonosis. Geonosis, you have these giant insect things attacking them and this weird insect cat. How are we going to get out of this mess? I'll figure it out. Of course, the clones show up with their, uh, you know, the, all those clone troopers and Yoda show up and, and, and get them out of that. But it was one of those moments where they didn't give up. They just figured out, like, you know, we'll just survive long enough to figure it out. And that's and a great one because even before the clones show up, they were they were still battling. They were still doing what they could. Yeah, there was no way they were going to get out of it on their own. But by surviving long enough, hey, you know, we'll figure it out. Unfortunately for for Django Fett. And then in the third film, 
uh, part of the issue with the third film is the the plan finally comes to fruition, right? So the plan, the Emperor's plan finally comes to fruition. And in a way, it's like the Emperor saying, we'll figure it out, right? It actually works against him because it's a very dark film and everyone loses at the end. Darth Vader succumbs to the dark side. It's it's almost as if the Emperor's like, you know what? I got these plans. I got Anakin. I got this stuff going on with these clones that are really kind of secret weapons. Uh, not everything has worked in my favor. I'll figure it out. You've got Yoda and, and Obi-Wan going back to the Jedi Temple. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out what's going on. We'll figure out what to do from here. But they really didn't figure it out, even though they thought they were going to figure it out. They just figured out, let's go into hiding. It's kind of exciting. And we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. We'll and they'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll go into exile and be away from the the ruckus and figure out what to do next. But part of part of the difference between the, the prequels and the actual, the original films is that the we'll figure it out is not as clear, right? So in the three examples we gave, you can sort of juxt, you know, justify we'll figure it out and, and put it in there. But in the original f- films, it's very clear. A giant death ball is destroying planets and we have about four minutes to live and we have these tiny little spaceships We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We're going to f- get this princess out of the, you know, the Death Star prison. How are you going to do that? We'll figure it out. And it's more obvious that the more figure it out part is is really part of the original trilogy inherently. Right? And they go back. Actually, we skipped the phone. We skipped Rogue One. Rogue One l- has a line that literally says, we'll find a way to find a way. <laughs> Right? I mean, that's the epitome of we'll figure it out. And that's why I think most people, there's a lot of people that think Rogue One is actually their favorite Star Wars film. And that one, more than any of the others, is a a literal visualization of that theme. The entire film is we'll figure it out. Of course, everybody dies at the end, but they did figure it out before they died. And that was, of course, how to destroy the Death Star. Which, by the way, was was brilliant retconning. I mean, it was maybe some of the best retconning ever done, ever. Um, Empire Strikes Back. There's a lot of problems going on. Oh, Oh, you you skipped Solo. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. The timeline, yeah. That was before A New Hope. I mean, before Rogue One. Yeah, so there was there was bunches of small individual figured out. So so Kira and Han were going to figure out how to get away from, from Lady Proxima. And then Han on Nimbin was going to figure out how to get off of there and get back to Kira, get back to uh, Corellia. And then when he got onto Beckett's crew, they were going to figure out how they were going to steal the coaxium. I love that scene. I love all those scenes. That movie's great. And if you don't like that movie, there's something wrong with you. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Ron Howard knows how to make films. And a short time span. Time span. Well, can I go back? Ron Howard. Talk about figuring it out. 
that movie was fantastic. And it was a complete behind-the-scenes disaster. Ron Howard did figure it out. He figured it out. How do you how do you make a comedy into an actual you know into an action film? Finish all the special effects, make it into a cohesive story, which it is. All in three and a half months. And not just make it a cohesive story, but make it a cohesive story in this larger story. That you rewrote after someone else was already filming it for, what, 10 months? And they got fired? Ron Howard, ultimate figure-outer. Thank the maker. <laughs> it's true. So let's go to Empire. You know, destroy the rebel base. Hoth, destroyed. You got to regroup. We'll figure it out. Han Solo captured at the end of the film. We're going to get him back. We'll figure it out. Next film, new Death Star, bigger. But Han is trapped. We got to get him out. Figure it out. We're going to go after this bigger Death Star. How we do that? This is more convoluted. We got to go on the on Endor. We got to shut down the shield. We got to somehow sneak into there. We got to figure it out. So all of these things are we lost. Yeah, we lost the princess in this giant forest. Forest. We're gonna find her. <laughs> We'll figure it out. I mean, and that's what makes them so much fun. But you see that in the original trilogy, it was more obvious that the we'll figure it out part. Or in the prequels, there started to be less we'll figure it out and more storytelling. Right, so there was less of a question. It was more definitive what was going to happen in those films than the heroes finding a way to find a way. Well, I think one of the challenges with the, the, the prequel movies versus the original trilogy was Lucas had Lucas and his, his team had two audiences that he had to satisfy. So there was the satisfaction of the adults who were children during the original mm-hmm. trilogy. How can we create stories that will keep them interested? And how can we stick true to those those storytelling roots of stories for children. And so it was, it was, I can't even imagine the, the, the time, effort and energy that they had to put in behind the scenes to balance both of those audiences. And I think that's one of the reasons why with the, with the prequel trilogies and definitely, absolutely with the sequel trilogies, there was so much hostility because you had, Adults acting like children. This is the movie I wanted. This isn't, you know, that that person, that character would never do that because in my mind, I played with the toys and they wouldn't have done that. Who could have delivered that to everyone's satisfaction? Nobody. The reason the Rogue One was so successful, I think, is because nobody knew they wanted it. So there was no preconceived notion of what the movie should be because no one had any idea why they were telling the story in the first place. Yep. And I think that's also, now that we're talking about it out loud, I think that's one of the reasons why I don't think they should do anything with the Old Republic because there is, I think there's there would be a lot of expectation for what it should look like, what it should be like, what it should what it should do. And so instead of going down that path again... Let's 
give them the High Republic, something that they didn't ask for, something that they have no preconceived notions yet. I have my suspicions about those bad guys, though. They don't seem that interesting yet. The Nile? Yeah, they, they just don't... I don't know. We'll see. I'm not overly thrilled with it, but we'll see. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Well, hopefully they'll all figure it out. <laughs> and then, so the the sequel the the sequel trilogy, um, the whole three film arc is about two people trying to figure out who they are. Who is Ben? I mean, who is Ben Solo? Who is Ray Skywalker? You didn't know that until the end. Or Ray Palpatine. Palpatine. Uh. You know, there's a giant planet that's transformed into a Death Star. You could say that. We'll figure out how to take that out. There's or you a. Could just go back a little bit. You know, Luke is gone. We gotta, we gotta get Luke, where, or we well, think we gotta get Luke. Where is he? Where is we'll, he? We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We gotta escape from from these star destroyer. You know, these star destroyers chasing us. You're gonna hide somewhere and survive. We'll figure it out. But the last kidnap. one, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Kidnap Chewie in the last one. How are we going to get him back? That was more like an accident, though, wasn't it? Chewie? <laughs> He's alive? <laughs> the Wayfinder is literally a wheel figured out device. Where is Exegol? Get this device. That'll figure it out for you. So it's a little <laughs> easier. And then, of course, the end scene we're talking about, you know, Ray figuring out how to use the Force to bring back the Jedi to give her powers and the galaxy uh, being the, how do we destroy these guys? We'll figure it out. Although, you know, I do have questions and I hate to ruin what I love, a film that I love, but if I were to make one small change to that film, I would have the fleet having a bigger impact on the outcome of that film than what they ultimately did, which I'm not really sure how much that fleet really impacted anything other than saving Poe Dameron himself. Right? Because I, I didn't know how many Star Destroyers, did it bring down all the Star Destroyers on their own, or was it... Yeah. Well, I think I, they, ultimately, they ultimately had to. Because it wasn't as if the existence of Palpatine was the, the power source for all those Star Destroyers. So I think the fleet did clean up in between, um, you know, Ben Solo joining the force and the end the celebration where they're all, you know, dancing on, on the jungle planet. There's a scene between the jungle planet at the end and where the rebel fleet shows up with it resistance fleet whatever you're going to call it there's a scene in between those uh that they're showing you bespin they're showing you jakku and i i really think those scenes are quite powerful because it shows you the expansion of the empire well the first order into the galaxy Right, so they're not just here on Exegol. They've already started to reach out, and the galaxy fought against them, which I thought was something that was honestly missing from the Last Jedi. the The Last Jedi, 
to me, is one of the films that, that does lack the we'll figure it out part of it, even though we mentioned that, you know, how do we survive, we'll figure it out. It doesn't really have that sort of arc, though, right? It doesn't have the arc of... It's, it's not clear-cut what they're trying to figure out other than escape. So I think it, it suffers to some extent in the same way that Attack of the Clones does, that it's trying to tell a story, but it's not really not clear what that story is or what the implications of it are. Um, but I mean, we can de- debate The Last yeah. Jedi forever. I think, uh, it's also a struggle with the, with the in-between movie. You know the, the the middle movie of a trilogy. I think it's definitely one of those challenges of any any trilogy. What do we do in the middle to fill in between the beginning and the the, the conclusion? I don't think Empire Strikes Back fell into that trap because Empire Strikes Back was trying to take what they had learned on Star Wars and make it better, right? Better techniques, better stories, better writers because they brought in Kasdan, better visuals. The, the sequels and the prequels didn't really have that sort of high bar to, to improve things on the first one, right? So the episode two, Attack of the Clones, didn't have to improve what happened in The Phantom Menace. Oh, no, I think they did. I think it, that was more on the, the behind-the-scenes improvement. The I mean, if we look at original trilogy versus prequel trilogy, you know, George Lucas wanted to push the envelope with... The digital stuff, the fact that you they were able to create an entirely or almost entirely CG character like Jar Jar Binks. And I, I think even the clones were digital. Yeah, in, they were in the in the prequel trilogy. So mm-hmm. so they were really pushing the envelope with with filmmaking that and that's just another wonderful example of the the hope that the makers had when they were putting these together, you know, they hoped that all of their efforts with this green screen stuff would be worth it in the end and have the audience enjoy the story and, and buy into it as much as they did with the original trilogy. Yeah. The, 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 the movie making techniques I think are critical to the success of these films because they require so much, fantasy elements that are really expensive and I think maybe on the last note for the night the hope that a new show a TV show would bring back Star Wars was was a pretty big hope and where the Mandalorian succeeded was you know there were no expectations for the show there was more confusion especially on my end like I know there's a Mandalorian in the show I don't know what that means is he a Mandalorian? Is he has he stolen the Mandalorian armor? Is he Boba Fett, but updated, like literally Boba Fett? We don't know who this is. So there was a lot of there wasn't a lot of expectation going into the film because we had no idea what it was going to be about. Nobody really knew anything about Baby Yoda at all that I'm aware of. No one had any idea that this guy would show up, a girl perhaps. So those are important reasons, I think, that the fan base wasn't divided because there was no expectation. They had no idea what to expect. But the hope in the filmmaking sense came from this new technology that's the surround screen. I still can't believe that technology works. 
because if you watch any episode of of the Mandalorian and go and watch the behind the scenes where they're not usually on location, they're filming against this circular screen display. I it is so convincing. It is it is the new hope of Star Wars that you can film something that should cost many, many millions of dollars more than it'll end up being by this new contraption that allows you to film effectively almost anything on a soundstage without having to build a huge amount of sets and props and things that'll be thrown away anyway. This digital technology is the new hope of Star Wars. It allows you to tell these smaller stories at a price that they could afford um, for characters that are not even main characters, you know, Mandalorian was never heard of again, you know, before. Uh, eventually, some of the Star Wars characters are plugging into the Mandalorian, especially in season two. But can you imagine how much money the Mandalorian would have cost had they not developed that technology? I don't think they would have done it. Yeah, if they had to go on, you know, go on location for all of those things, or to have to create the locations. Yeah, they wouldn't have done it. They wouldn't have done it. So that that's, I think, a good way to end this podcast, Ken, is, is hope renews itself in different situations. And the hope that the Star Wars fans have is that the rest of the Star Wars offerings were going to match what we've seen from The Mandalorian and from the video game Jedi Fallen Order, which has been described this week as the beginning of a much larger story. Those two stories really resonate with, with, with fans because they're not the same as the old stories. They're not connected to those stories. They're not side stories. They're their own separate stories and their own separate interesting stories. So the Mandalorian hopes to get Baby Yoda home. The Fallen Order is the hope to figure out how to reconnect to the Force and, and do good even though that you're out of the Jedi Order. Uh, the Jedi Order has been destroyed. These are stories that are maybe not feature film level, but because of their unique formats and is a television show, which is the first of its kind for Star Wars, uh, and the video game format, these two properties did extremely well. I mean, extremely well. And the hope for the fans is that the what will follow is a generation of that sort of independently minded, we'll do the stories that we think are the most entertaining, not the ones that we're expected to do. I think that's my hope anyway, that, that that's where Star Wars continues because it, it feels new again, you know, because of those two. And they, they, they follow the, that, that Lucas tradition of, of pushing the envelope and, and building and building and building. And you know, one of the other hopes is, you know, if you've been, if you watched the last season of the, of the, of the clone Wars, oh. that, that they, they choose to tell stories, even though the live action stuff is wonderful. I also think that the animated stuff can't be discounted or shouldn't be discounted. The, the last season has been incredible to, 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 to view and listen to. I mean, I think, um, the folks who did the soundtrack, and I, I can't remember if it's Kevin Kleiner or Kevin Kiner. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing their names right. But the the folks who did the soundtrack for this last season of the Clone Wars have done some amazing work. Uh, 
and I hope that they figure out a way of keeping this this the style of animation alive with other Star Wars stories that don't have to be connected to Palpatine, that don't have to be connected to Chewbacca or Luke Skywalker, that they can still exist in this large universe that George Lucas created way back in the 70s. Yeah, there's actually three things out there. There is the the video game, the TV show, and the Clone Wars season seven. Those, you know, people have been saying that Disney ruined Star Wars. Those three are perfect Star Wars stories. <clears throat> perfect Star Wars stories. And the hope is that those that's what's going to happen moving forward. I mean, of the three, because I know, I know there is going to be another animated show. Um, of the three, which would I, you know, which do I look forward to the most? And I don't think I have an answer. I think I want to see all three. Yes. For me, it's a million times yes, because in, in the, the life that I live, the, the choices that I choose, um, more Star Wars is, 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 makes me happy. And it does feel refreshed, doesn't it? The fans aren't fighting anymore. They're, they're, they still are, but I've, I've, I've chosen not to uh, notice it as much. I've, I think I've, I've developed in the last six months a, a, a better a better filter for all of that stuff. I still see it. I mean, I, I still see that people are saying that Disney, like you said, Disney ruined Star Wars. Oh, whatever. And I, I, I think that can't be further from the, the truth. I mean, Disney was was the reason that the, there was the Mandalorian. Disney's the reason that you have Galaxy's Edge in, in Disneyland and Disney World. Star Wars was dead before Disney brought it back. That's the truth. I don't think it was dead. I just don't think that it. Um... It was. It was history lesson. It was. It was. It was dead in the modern day. Yeah, it was a good movie, but it wasn't active. It wasn't active. Yeah. So. So. Uh, instead of saying dead, I'll say it was hibernating. It was uh, cocooning. Well, it was only cocooning because behind the scenes, people were thinking about it, bringing it back, but to the fan base. I didn't know it was coming back. I remember the day that I heard that it was coming back because it was the day that we, we I joined the Disney company. And it was an absolutely fantastic coincidence you know, where those two things happened at the same time. Um, but I didn't know it was coming back. I don't think a lot of people didn't have any idea it was coming back. It was amazing. And without that, yeah, we wouldn't have any of the stuff that we have now. But I, I see online, even though everyone's, oh, yeah, Fallen Order, fantastic 10 million copies sold, which way more than we thought. Mandalorian, this could be, you know, this is the Star Wars show. This is what we wanted. Clone Wars season, season 7. Yeah, some episodes weren't great, but the last four are maybe the best that they've ever done. This is what we wanted. Everybody's happy. You go on Twitter. You know, The Last Jedi. Like, why are you talking about The Last Jedi? Why? Like this movie came out three years ago. Stop talking about it. I, you have to wonder who the people are, why they keep mentioning these things. Like there's nothing going on in their minds except let's compare the Rise of Skywalker to the Last Jedi. I don't even think it's. it's I mean, because we were just talking about a movie that came out in 1977 with with respect and reverence. I think folks are just 
missing something and feel like the, the the only way to fill that is with with animosity and and hyper critique and we've mentioned before that even the original trilogy you could you could tear apart from the acting to the to the to the whatever um i'm choosing not to do any of that i'm gonna flash my my star wars fan card for the world to see and it's it's simply i i choose to enjoy all of it it's the culture today to do that but that's the subject perhaps of another podcast (laughs) so can i for joining me tonight anthony well i'm glad to do this i'm glad to uh have our podcast on itunes there's a bucket list item checked off for me and i i have hope that we're going to make better episodes and i'm going to be Really, I'm not more concerned about what you're doing. I'm more concerned about the nonsense that I'm spewing out, but I hope that I'll, I'll get better over time. And um, It's actually the second time that we recorded episode three, so maybe the third time's a charm. <laughs> and I hope we'll, uh, in, in future episodes, be able to have some guests. That would be fun. We will have guests. Probably the next episode we will have guests. We were going to have one tonight, and then I ended up doing homework with my son which delayed the schedule that we were originally going to have and you know covid destroys all <laughs> homeschooling kids is not uh it's not pretty well i hope all the listeners out there are staying safe staying healthy and uh, thank you for listening and hopefully you'll be back next week until then so long so long